Support for this program comes from Tiger Lily Communications, public relations, content creation, publicity, and marketing for creatives. We make you look even better. Find out more at T-I-G-E-R-L-I-L-Y communications.com. Welcome to Speak On It, the podcast where the creatives tell their stories about what they do and how they do it. I'm Felicia Hodges, and today I'm here with visual artist Troy Gua, who was influenced by the images and icons he experienced during the 70s and 80s that he says have fueled a prolific output of pop-infused conceptual work in a diverse range of media. In addition to his gallery showings in the U.S. and Canada and guest panel appearances, the award-winning artist is also the creative mind behind La Petite Prince, or LPP, which he describes as a surreal reimagining in sculptural miniature of the life and career of Prince Rogers Nelson. Welcome, Troy, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much, Felicia. That was that was a beautiful intro. Thank you. Those are your words. All I did was just <laughs> <laughs> give them back. Well done. <laughs> Well, thank you. Well done to you as well. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do artistically? How would you describe what you do? Oh, uh, boy, that's a good question because I do so many different things. Um, essentially, I guess I'm just sort of a filter for the culture that I consume. I'm, I really express uh, how I feel about things through my art. And it's really my best form of communication. And uh, I guess that's essentially what it boils down to for me. So my dad was an insurance salesman when I was a kid, and he would bring home these extra quote-unquote ream of paper from the office (laughs) once in a while. And it would be like Christmas for me. It would be like this, you know, uh, unending stack of opportunities to create these, you know, drawings that I would uh, just dive into and so that was when I was you know five years old maybe is when I started to draw I had an older brother who's 10 years older than me who's pretty handy with a pencil also and he kind of inspired me to pick one up myself and that's that's kind of where it all started the first thing that I like made as far as uh three-dimensional was a uh, cardboard recreation of King Tut's tomb I was obsessed with King Tut when I was eight, maybe seven, eight, the big blockbuster show came to Seattle and I was absolutely obsessed. I would, couldn't get enough of, you know, the, the images that I was seeing. So I I recreated his tomb in cardboard and my mom let me bury it in the, in her uh, flower bed in the backyard. And then I, I went a few weeks later to go check on it and it was gone. It was magic. It was like the curse of the mummy or something. But, you know, now I know that my mom just dug it up and threw it away, but so yeah as a kid I mean I've always been making stuff and I kind of was given that role from the get-go as far as like in school I was just like the class artist from as far as I can remember back that's just kind of always been my identity that I've you know been very okay with (laughs) I think it was just a natural thing as far as uh 
just doing it, expressing myself. I always just assumed that I was going to become an artist as an adult. And it just doesn't happen that way. You know, I grew up in a family of four. I was the youngest by a lot. My folks didn't have a lot of money. They didn't really know what to do with an artistic kid. They didn't, you know, they didn't know how to handle, I guess, what I maybe could have really used. So I spent many, many years uh, just sort of stumbling through life. I got married really young to the wrong person. I had a job that was sucking my soul. Uh, you know, I it wasn't until 2005, actually, that uh, things turned around because that's when I met my now current wife, forever wife. <laughs> and she saw something in me. She saw these paintings I had laying around and was like, wow, you need to do this. You know, you need to do this. And she was making a pretty good living at the time and enough to support me <laughs> and allow me to like try and figure it out. So there was a long, a lot of years spent just making art and not knowing what to do with it or how to go about getting eyeballs in front of it, really. You know, this was way before the internet. You know, there's so many more tools now to, to utilize to do that. Do you have a muse? I'd have many muses. Uh, I, I guess I would consider the muse uh, that is most prevalent is Prince. My wife is my muse. King Tut is my muse. Donald Trump has been my muse. You know, um, I really do take in as much around me as I can and process it. I mean, it's my way of processing things, really, as well as my way of expressing myself. So everything's my muse. My knowledge of who you are and, and your artistic endeavors came from our shared connection to the purple one. How did La Petite Prince LPP project, LPP itself, get started and where did the where did all that come from? The inspiration for the actual entity that is LPP came from the figures of uh, Jerry Anderson and his, his movies, his super marionation movies of the 60s and 70s TV shows, uh, there were these marionettes that had uh, solenoids in their heads to allow them to open their eyes and, and talk, you know, really crudely. But in order to, I think it must have been a mistake because in order to, uh, to hold those solenoids, the heads had to be bigger <laughs> than the bodies. But I think it may have been a mistake initially, but it turned out super cool and had this very surreal, weird quality to it that I kind of had always been really interested in. Even as a kid, I would go over to my buddy's house and we would watch these, you know, movies and they were just so weird and cool. And then Team America came out, this movie by the guys who made South Park came out in like 2004, maybe. And I became, I was obsessed with it. I saw it like six times in the theater. It was like, I loved it. It was so hilarious. And I just loved that look of those figures, right? So it was the end of 2011. I don't know how it got into my head, but I just decided, okay, now's the time to make my little prints uh, in the guise of uh, Jerry Anderson's super marionation, right? And that's really how it started. It was like the end of this long year of, uh, I was trying to make my way in the local art scene. And it was, you know, I was, I was making my way, but I was, I was making a lot of work that 
was getting attention but not selling and it was like I don't know it was a frustrating year it was at the end of this year I just wanted to make something fun for myself and that's that's really how he was born you know a lot happened between the time he was uh, born and the time where I ended up getting a cease and desist letter for use or alleged use of copyrights and uh, the use of uh, the symbol and merchandise that I had been offering to fans. What happened was I took a couple pictures of it, put it online. I had a few Prince fan friends at the time, but my friend Monet, Monet Love, she was pretty connected to the larger uh, fan community and she posted it or reposted it. And it just kind of like caught fire from there. And then Questlove retweeted it and then it like, boom, blew up. And then folks were like, oh man, I want a t-shirt. I want a poster. And, you know, at the time in my mind, I was like, okay, yeah, that's, I was, I knew that there was a possibility that there would be maybe a pushback. But in my artist's mind, I was like, I made this, I took this picture, even though it's got his name on it and blah, blah, blah. I was, you know, and still kind of steadfast in the belief that it was a brand new creation. It was, it was, it wasn't infringing to me. I didn't take it to court (laughs) because I didn't want to fight my hero and or his law team and it was just I didn't have the resources to do such a thing and nor did I want to then this was the uh, what November of 2012 so there had been about a year of the growth of the project from just a you know a couple of pictures to folks requesting do sign of the times do dirty mind do controversy and of course it just you know, for me, it became a beautiful challenge <laughs> and it just grew from there. So, okay. So I got the cease and desist in 2012. I ceased and desisted. I uh, decided to kind of turn the project on its head and I made a miniature version of me and dressed myself or my miniature me up as Prince and Michael Jackson and David Bowie and Pablo Picasso and Andy Warhol and all my other heroes. And throughout that process, I began really bumping up the production level of the photos and got better at the photos. And then I started introducing more effects and lighting and composition and art direction and So what started out as a photo of something that I made over time evolved into the photos being the things that I was making. For a couple of years, I did the, what was, I was calling the Le Petit Troy series. And over time, like I was mentioning, I got really good at, or, you know, not to be immodest, but I got much better at what I was doing, right? With these images. And I really just decided it. I needed to, I needed to work with Prince. I needed to work with Liberty Prince. And so I went back to it, being very careful not to uh, recreate any existing imagery, not to point to anything that was for sale when I would post these images. Uh, I wouldn't use any names or symbols. 
And I never heard another word. So, and that was 2014. And I began to work with uh, Le Petit Prince again. So when he, when he passed, I was like kind of at a loss of what to do, really. I didn't know what to do, but I wanted to keep the project going. So I decided to begin to really dive deeper into his life and career and uh, began to research and study uh, more about him, even though I was already, con I can kind of consider myself a Prince head to begin with. But um, after his passing, there's been so much more information, more, you know, books, everyone's got a book, uh, podcasts. And so I began to really get into that and documenting Prince chronologically throughout the years. So that's kind of what brings us up to where we're at now. I, I, I went back and kind of started in the 70s again, right? And uh, have been working chronologically and I, I post a new picture every week. And I started doing that in 2016. So it's been, you know, we're coming up on five years now that we, I've been working that way. For a while, I was posting uh, um, four pictures, three to four pictures that would uh, represent one year. But now I'm just taking my time and I'm going really slow <laughs> and kind of savoring it because there's just, there's so much uh, inspiration from this man, you know, it's never ending. We'll be right back with more from Seattle-based visual artist Troy Gua in just a few. Stay with us. The Groove Pavement Podcast, talk show, and movie review Where we break down the black exploitation era The cinematic genre The exploitation of the black culture And experience through film and media We'll also dive into the cast, the subgenres, the TV shows, and the music Outside of the films, we'll view some critical signs of the time And what these stories meant then and now From entertainment to society to economics The Groove Pavement Catch a new episode each week on Hudsey.tv and Facebook. And we're back with more from Troy Gua on the inspiration he gets for and from LPP, Le Petit Prince. I do a lot of different things. Like I've said, you know, I, I make acrylic paintings. I, I do uh, found object sculptures, but really I, I, the thing that gets me most out of myself and into <laughs> Uh, a really pleasant zone is LPP. Like really, I can lose myself in just making a tiny outfit. It's, you know, it's super therapeutic. I don't know what it is about it, but, um, and there's this tinkering thing that it comes with that project too, because, you know, it's like, okay, I want to recreate this room that I saw on the album sleeve of the family's LP. Okay, it's got this bed and it's got this headrest and this mirror. How do I, you know, what do I do? How do I make this stuff? And so it's it's always a fun challenge to just kind of dive in. And the other thing is, it's like, it's really kind of mining the stuff I've already got around me. I don't, I try not to get more stuff to make more stuff. I try to use what I've already got and uh, it's just super fun. 
Let me ask you, to the artist listening and thinking, wow, he is so amazingly talented and so good at what he does, and here I am in my little corner of the globe wondering if I'll ever be able to do that too, what would you say to them? You know, I just really just doing the work and just making, making stuff. <laughs> it's, that's really how you get good at anything. And I don't know if you've got that drive, that's really all that matters. If you have the drive to create, ultimately, hopefully that's enough. If it isn't, uh, I don't know. Just keep making work really, you know, and just keep putting it out there. And if you keep making work, it's going to get better. And if you keep putting it out there, more people are going to see it. I don't know. It sounds really simple and trite. I have to be honest. I don't know had I not had the support of an an amazing person, you know, with me. I don't know that I would have had it in me to push for, you know, what I should have really been doing all along. So, you know, having someone behind you is uh, it's just immeasurable. What's next for you on the horizon? Showings, all of it. So I have an affiliation with the Seattle Art Museum and their Sam Gallery. And they show and sell and rent work from Northwest artists. And I've been working with them since 2009. And they've really been uh, critical as far as my success has, has, has gone in in my hometown specifically being that they've had to close pretty much the whole year. It's been, you know, a difficult situation. Uh, They have been able to reopen the the gallery part because it is connected to the, the museum shop. So being that it's a retail environment under the restrictions, they've been able to sort of reopen and they're, they're making sales still, which is great. So I'm still, you know, working, through uh, through that system. I've got some work going into, they, we have a project in Seattle called Seattle Storefronts where they utilize empty storefronts with uh, art installations. And I got asked, or no, I actually got selected to uh, dress a window. So I'm gonna have some art in the windows of a downtown location coming up. I'm really fortunate that I uh, have what's, I'm sure you know about Patreon, the uh, subscription membership program. That has been a lifesaver. Uh, I got on that program June of 2019. So that was before pre-pandemic, but what excellent timing because I've got the most wonderful supportive group of Prince family, friends that have supported me and continue to support me. And it, it's so humbling and honored. And I'm so honored and grateful to have this, uh, you know, this club that I've got club LPP. And so I, I continuously create that work and give them little extra behind the scenes goodies and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's, I'm just kind of plugging away. I did the I did the the album artwork for Stokely's first album and his next album, which is coming up. Hopefully, I think in April it's going to be released. So I just got signed off on all the work I did for that. So that's kind of exciting, I guess. But um, yeah, I'm fortunate that people are reaching out and continuing to buy art. It's it's 
an unexpected surprise. I mean, it was, you know, I didn't know what to expect when everything started shutting down and uh, getting scarier and scarier. Um, but it turns out that art is important to people. And I'm so grateful that that is the case. We're definitely grateful for you speaking as a Prince fam, you know, one of your, uh, your, uh, uh, adoring um, adorers, right? We love what you do and uh, <laughs> look so look forward to it. To find out more about Troy and to see more details on his creations. Just follow my Instagram handle, Troy Gua. It's easy, seven letters, T-R-O-Y-G-U-A. Um, Troy Gua Art on Facebook. Uh, my website, TroyGua.com. Um, that's actually the, my website is sort of the rabbit hole that I, I, I wish more people would go down because it's kind of where I've got all my different series of work and collections together. And it's pretty diverse. And that's, I think, the, the, the thing that I'm most proud of in my own body of work is my ability to jump genres and, and just kind of put my hands in and, and, and make different kinds of work. And that is absolutely inspired by Prince. And, for that, I'll always be grateful. Uh, he taught me how to just follow my heart and, and create with abandon, and that's what I do. That's our episode. You can follow Speak On It on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Vimeo. Or you can email us at tigerlilycommunications at mail, justmail.com, to let us know what you think. By the way, the original music you hear is called Please Irene, by Lynn Riley and The World Mix. We know you're missing live music these days just like we are, so head on over to their YouTube channel to check out some of their past performances. Hope to catch you again soon. Stay safe out there. <laughs>